speak the charm of make charm of make charm There will come a time on the planet Earth when science and technology will be long forgotten. When wizards will rule the world. This is the Arnamancy Podcast. Exploring esotericism, tarot, magic, and the occult. I am Reverend Eric. Welcome back to the Arnamancy Podcast. This is Eric Arneson. I am here today with my extra special guest, Aaron Epperson. He's a Freemason, and in fact, he's the Worshipful Master of Milwaukee Lodge Number 109, Ancient Free and Accepted Masons of Oregon. He's an all-around cool dude, and he once interviewed me and my co-hosts on My Alchemical Bromance in a sort of weird reverse interview that I thought went really well and ended up being one of my favorite episodes that we did just because it was so surreal and so weird, and we never had any idea what he was going to say. Um, hi, Aaron. Thanks for being on my podcast. Hey, man. Thanks for having me back after not knowing what I'm going to say. It's always exciting talking to you, and uh, one of the things that is always really thrilling about it is you spend so much time downplaying yourself. You're sort of like, I don't have anything to say. I've got nothing to say. But then it's kind of like you flip a little Aaron switch, and all of a sudden there's tons of stuff. I think for the audience, this is going to be one of those surprise episodes where I have no idea what we're going to talk about, and neither do you. I know that I'm going to give you a tarot reading. Oh, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, Mostly the reason I wanted to be on here is because we said we were going to get a beer once a long time ago, and then COVID-19 happened, and I haven't been able to hang out with you. This is mostly just self, like a self-serving project for me that everyone gets to listen to at home. You know, it's okay. It's okay. One of the things um, actually uh, that I kind of miss about my alchemical bromance that I don't think I've done a very good job with on Arnamancy is sort of like the casual nature of it. Like Mm. I keep trying to get nerdier and bigger and more intellectual. And sometimes uh, it's just really important to kind of take a step back and remember that like podcasts are supposed to be fun and sometimes like that sort of conversational aspect is really important and a lot of important wisdom comes out of it. Uh, yeah. And you and I, you and I get that, you know, when we sit down and have a beer, we talk about stuff and it's, it's a delight. So, and you, you do have good questions all the time and good answers. I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, okay. So if you have anything like really urgent to say right now, um, you should get it off your chest because I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping announcement thingies. Do you have anything like bursting out of you, like a like from Alien? I just watched the Alien movies for the first time. No like, way! Last week. No, no way! My wife, my wife forced me. I, I don't do well with anticipation as like a feeling. You mean anticipation? Well, yeah, <laughs> like even that. I hated it. Okay. So uh, okay. I, don't, I don't do well with that like feeling and I don't know why. But You're going to hate uh, tarot readings. You're going to hate getting a tarot reading. Fantastic. Everyone <laughs> can laugh at me. Uh, but no, I, so I, so she was like, you need to watch these movies. And I love reading horror literature. Like mm-hmm. I'm a huge Lovecraft fan. Stephen King's pretty cool. Uh, I hate watching it for some reason. Like I can't hmm. sit through a Chucky movie. I ruined a first date because we went and watched Paranormal 3. Paranormal Activity three, mm-hmm. and I did not have a second date because I was such like I was like ah, like I was like jumping, 
And so <laughs> I, I'm married now. I'm not on the market. I'm going to pretend to impress anybody now. But um, but she finally got so you to watch. So did you watch all of them? Oh, we watched one through three, and we're going to continue. So we're going to watch four. Oh, I'm sorry. And then, I'm really sorry. They. I, I already know what happens. It's like okay. a real weird like. It I just it they don't um like a recap. You know the the first two are really amazing. The first two are both kind of they, like they were really good. Yeah, and they're they're kind of different genres, but still really exciting. And then they start to get into the later ones, and they really, you know, they jump the shark as many times as possible. <laughs> yeah, but the the trade off is I, I'm also forcing us to watch Predator, and then we have to watch the Alien versus Predator movies. Oh, you're gonna have a good time. You're gonna have a good time. yeah, because because I love those movies because they're not scary. I've been, um, I haven't done a very good job. You know, I, I feel like one of the things that I should be doing with my free time during COVID-19, during the lockdown, is watching, like, occult m- movies. And I just, I haven't been doing a very good job. I've got a few on my list. The, the problem is most of them are horror movies. And um, even though I don't necessarily dislike horror movies, I I really like movies that I can laugh at. And I hate laughing at a horror movie. I always feel like uh, I'm kind of insulting the creators of the movie if I laugh at it too much. Yeah, like like it's you put so much effort into this not to be scary. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I laugh at action you, you movies know, because they, they just get so ridiculous, and it's just sort of yeah. you know they're they're so entertaining. But I don't want to laugh at a horror movie. I don't want to cut you off, but you should really do those announcements before we forget that you have announcements to do. Okay, fine. I have some announcements, everybody. First of all, my ne- the next of my online classes in my Planetary Magic series is uh, is available for enrollment right now. It's called Planetary Petitions, Amulets, and Sigils. It's going to include stuff like um, uh, thaumaturgy, and, thaumaturgy and theurgy with the planets, uh, planetary sigils using Agrippa's fourth book of occult philosophy, and there's going to be uh, some ritual and instruction for creating a uh, sort of a really classic solar martial protection amulet from one of the old Solomonic grimoires. Um, and I'm doing something different this time. There's going to be more classes available, but each one is only going to be is going to be limited to just seven people. So my Patreon supporters already knew about this before the rest of you. So if you guys want to sign up, you should jump on there quickly there will be a link in the show notes or just go to my website i'm sure it'll be everywhere and also all of my previous classes are now available as digital downloads that includes introduction to sigils and the first two planetary magic classes those are my announcements or at least the ones i remembered to write down in the 10 minutes before aaron and i jumped on this uh this chat uh okay so how was that that was fantastic i love you oh i love the fact that you you can say words like Thoughtology. Thaumaturgy? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Without like missing a beat, because I have no idea what that is. Oh, do you want to know? It, yeah, but I don't want to ruin your class. So everyone should oh, no, no. It's, sign up for the class. It's not ruining the class. In fact, it's kind of so thaumaturgy <clears throat> and theurgy are kind of like two sides of the same coin. Um, uh, and it's a, a coin. It's like a, it's a, also oh, known oh, as oh, specie. No. It's like a metal piece. Okay. The yeah, currency. I'm vaguely aware. You you exchange it for goods goods and services. Okay, you know, I'm vaguely aware. Yeah, yeah, yeah like that. <laughs> um, so in in magic, in the in occult practices, you basically have kind of like two different paths that you're trying to do. One of them is kind of like the path of enlightenment, right, where you're trying to sort of like elevate your soul 
you know, purify yourself, you know, speak to God and sort of like ascend into like the upper realms and become all mystical and holy and stuff. Mm-hmm. And the other path is the one where you're kind of like, you know, I'm going to, you know, cast spells to like get money and chicks and and be wealthy and successful, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, oh. so the one that is doing sort of like earthly things where you're getting the, 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 you know, the, the money for nothing and the chicks for free sort of thing, mm-hmm. that's thaumaturgy. Uh, the other one where you're trying to sort of like ascend and speak to the gods or whatever, that's theurgy. Oh. So they're just sort of like two sides of the same coin. And way, 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 way back in the old days, there were these two really smart dudes who were way too smart for their own good named Eomblichus and Porphyry, I believe those are the two. And they were kind of always in a fight over which one of these were like um, suitable uses for their philosophical wisdom. Like, can we do thaumaturgy? Can we do theurgy? Is one of them better than the other? Do they both lead us to the same place? Like, if you become good at one, will you be good at the other? And they fought about it all the time. And there's That's a super interesting. So it's yeah. like the ethics of magic. Like, it is really kind of like the ethics of magic. And there's a, there's a lot of depth and um, confusing argument and stuff that goes into like the difference between the two that I. I've been meaning to it's 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 very difficult to explain so I'm not or it's very difficult to explain uh, the arguments of these two like old Greek dudes so yeah because they're old Greek dudes yeah and they were both like way 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 too smart and probably had taken tons of drugs and they'd both sort of like looked into the face of God and then came back and were like hey look at me I'm like amazing and I glow in the dark and I'm going to tell you my philosophy now so they're they're hard to understand yeah yeah. Um, yeah, but at the same time, you know, they're sorry. I'm ta- I keep talking over you. You're you're the you're the no. guest. Yeah. You know what? Talk over me all you want. It's your show. Oh, that's, that's all right. Okay, okay. Uh, like, you I know, guess kick me out. Whatever you need. <laughs> yeah. So I guess like the thing about him is like both of those guys were so influential and so they le- they left such an impact and a mark on the world that um, their weird little argument is still echoing, you know, through the through the what hulls of wizards the the mouths of of basement dwelling occultists to this day 2000 years later i feel like hulls of wizards needs to be your book title when you finally publish a book <laughs> but uh, i'm gonna make the cover so that it looks sort of like a pack of like hulls um throat lozenges Oh, or or the hallway scooby do in the gang run through back and forth a lot oh yeah oh yeah man. yeah yeah, I just uh, I you know before COVID nineteen hit, I binge watched a um, Scooby Doo series that was a, that was fairly new. Uh, that mm-hmm. was really good. It was like two or three seasons, and it was like this big long weird arc, a uh, story arc that ended up getting into like weird supernatural shit near the end with like reality warping <laughs> demons and all the sorts of shit. The Anunnaki, it was so good. I will. I can't remember the name of it right now, but I'll uh, I'll send it to you because. Um, I don't know how many how many more weeks of this do we have? Do you think? Uh, they, I think Oregon officially has no cutoff point. Great, it is just uh, a whenever I tell you to stop point. Uh, God, buckle up! Yeah, yeah, I'm buckled. I've been wearing like yeah. pajamas for weeks. I just bought more shorts, like athletic shorts, the the big comfortable kind, because I only have mm-hmm. one pair. Because before this, like, yeah. You don't need more than one pair. Yeah, but now I got like 
go out once a day, let the dog out. Twice a day, I let him out twice a day. He doesn't need more. Oh, yeah. I forgot about your dog. I love my dog. Um, anyway. Yeah, anyway, uh, would you like a tarot <clears throat> reading? I would love a tarot reading. And, and just to prep everybody, the reason I want to do this is I've never had a tarot reading. You've never had a tarot reading. I've never had a tarot reading. And I live in Portland, Oregon. How do you... And so, how do you do that? How do you live in Portland, Oregon and never have a tarot reading? Um, I don't know. And it's it was concerning enough where I thought that, like, I've never had one. And I actually, it was the when we when I did interview you on your podcast, I thought, like, man, it would be really good to, like, podcast my first tarot reading. Because two, two reasons. First, everyone will figure out the terrible human being I am. I'm assuming the reading of the I don't even really know how that works yet so we'll see what happens um, uh, and then and then it's entertaining so I'm, I'm excited uh, but I think and this is a legitimate question because mm-hmm. I meant to make the pilgrimage to Wikipedia to read about tarot and all I I didn't do that okay. I didn't at all I didn't have time I'm taking four college classes right now so I had no time um, but Vaguely, what I understand about tarot is that the cards are from the Middle Ages, and mm-hmm. they were actual cards that you would play certain forms of card games with. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I think and that that's <clears throat> the theory. That's a theory. Okay. And that reading tarot cards kind of came out of like a folk magic tradition, and that's as much as I got. Yeah, so I think that's kind of what we that's kind of what we know. Um, so playing cards came first, and tarot kind of evolved out of playing cards, mm-hmm. um, and it developed into some sort of like fortune telling technique, uh, probably through some kind of folk magic tradition. Um, and so the so I'm going to be using the Rider Waite Tarot, which is a deck of cards that dates back to 1909. Um, and so the the symbols on these are pretty elaborate and involved compared to sort of like the traditional um, uh, tarot decks like that mm-hmm. come from before then. So there is a lot of symbols on here that you're going to recognize since um, this particular deck has been pretty popularized by uh, you know popular media and you know it's been in movies and TV shows and all that sort of stuff. It's, oh, it's okay. been around for like a hundred and some years. So. Um, so you're going to okay. recognize some of the cards. Can I ask about that? So like one thing that's always confused me is like, why are there so many different decks? Well, there are different decks because um, people end up interpreting the cards in different ways and uh, and wanting to share their interpretation. Or they end up having sort of like, mm. you know, it's it's a really complex symbol set and everything interlocks and interweaves in very interesting ways. Uh You'll find like different um, trends in tarot reading, but mostly people don't always agree on what the different cards mean and what the different suits mean and what everything does. You know, they have their own interpretations. Um, you mean people argue about interpreting <laughs> mystical things? Yes. Can you believe it? I, I never would have thought that. Yeah, it's amazing. It just it happens all the time. I'm baffled <laughs> by it myself. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but in, it, kumbaya. yeah. Uh, in addition, though, um, especially probably since the seventies or eighties, uh, tarot sometimes you know it's it's really attached to kind of like 
uh, fringe uh, political and religious movements or sometimes like really progressive um, political and religious movements and has kind of in some cases taken on almost like uh, the role of like symbols for social progress and things like that. So one of the big trends that's happening now is people are either removing all humans from the cards so they don't depict humans or depicting the humans as um, different ethnicities, uh, different genders. Sometimes they strip all the gender descriptors out of the cards altogether. And they're sort of like mm-hmm. taking these archetypal ideas that are encoded in the tarot deck and, um, and opening them up so that they can be more applicable to other people. So that's kind of interesting. I've, I've got it, some friends who are involved in that and who are either designing decks or have designed decks um, using those sorts of principles, and it's pretty fascinating to watch. That is really cool. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of interesting uh, conversation about tarot right now that I think might have some long-lasting effects that might end up making tarot seem a little old-fashioned or behind the times eventually. But, but it's okay, you know? Things need to evolve. And That's true. We will see over time how it all goes. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's get into the reading. So uh, first of all, a little caveat. It's going to be really difficult for me to share pictures of the cards um, while we're doing this because you are on my phone. <laughs> I'm on your phone? Yeah, it's, it's the best way to plug you into my podcast recording setup. Um, and usually when I record... Uh, uh, Usually when I do Zoom readings for people, I am on my computer, and so I take pictures with my phone and send it to them, but I can't oh, really do that very easily right now. Yeah, that's so, fine. so I'll hold the cards up that's to fine. show you, and I'll send you a picture of the finished reading at the end. Okay. That okay. Sounds great. Um, another uh, thing is because, of, uh, because we're podcasting, I, my table space is mostly taken up with podcasting equipment, so I am using my very, very tiny tarot deck. This is my like pocket-sized rider weight tarot. Um, mm-hmm. The cards are probably, I don't know, like an inch and a half by three inches. They're pretty small. And uh, uh, and th- the nice thing about this is I can get a full tarot spread of any sort on the table alongside the rest of my equipment. Um, but I don't know if that's an actual warning. You've never had a tarot reading before. Sorry, Aaron. These are, these are humongous no cards. They're all this size. <laughs> They're all that size. Um, Yeah. So do you have a question that you want to ask the tarot or are we just going to do a general generic uh, tarot reading and see what the cards want to talk about? Can I get lottery numbers? Because that'd be super convenient. Uh, Uh, I know I can do that. We could try. We could try for lottery numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I think I'm just, uh, I'm going to say, I don't really have any specific questions. Okay. So I would, can we just like go in and see what happens? Absolutely. It's the best kind. I don't know if you can hear me shuffling, but it's probably just... I can. Okay. It's a comfortable, a comfortable noise. <laughs> it's funny. I often wonder if you got like tarot readers and professional poker players in a room, who would win at a shuffling competition? Ooh. Uh, older ladies who play cribbage. Oh, it probably would be the bridge club. Yeah, the bridge <laughs> club. Actually, speaking of being a mason, so like I'm also a shriner, and I know you're not a shriner, uh-huh. but I found uh, they're in my car because they're in my fez case. But um, 
I found a 1960s deck of cards from a Shriners conference. Oh, wow. That has all the like different temples on them. Uh huh. Like, and like this, and it, they're super cool. And I, I still haven't played a game of poker or anything with them that I really want to. They're, they're in great condition. Have but, they been uh, used before? Like oh, yeah, definitely. They, they had like, I think they probably just got used uh, for the conference. Uh huh. And then someone threw them in their desk and died. 25 years later and then it ended up in an antique shop uh, it's, it's like the story like the of every masonic relic everywhere yeah i also found a 1912 copy of the 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 uh constitution and bylaws oh of oregon that i bought out of a yeah that nice. i bought out of a bookstore in selwood i just uh got a pdf of our of oregon grand lodge's first ever um meeting like in 1850 Oh, it's a it's awesome. a it's a scan of it, and it has our first constitution. So it used to be really easy. It used to be really easy to to know what the heck was going on back before we started just multiplying and adding more rules and more rules and more rules. Masons love rules. What's up with that? We love them. I, yeah. I think it's just because what else are you going to argue about? That's true. Uh, hey, uh, what do you know about the new? There's a new Shriner movie coming out. What? Didn't you see this? It was filmed in Portland. Oh, the one Carl did. Yeah, it was. I I just saw the the video or the the um the screen for it or like the cover for it, and it's got Carl and uh, Joey Harrison and uh, Sean McCallum on it. Oh, yeah. Uh, I was supposed to be there that day. Is all I know about it because and you like, missed I out. Huh? Sex. I uh I think Carl's never gonna listen to this podcast. Carl's a fantastic person, but <laughs> this is not his jam. <laughs> <laughs> you know if you uh, badmouth Carl somebody will tell him about it he will listen to this episode if you, if you say Carl's name and you happen to be a Freemason you will suddenly be a member of the shrine because he will pay your dues because that's what happened to me I was like <laughs> I was like, hey Carl and he was like oh you're a shriner now you need to buy a hat and I was like oh cool anyway um, and I think I think it was so long ago I think I had like a work thing mm-hmm. I was just like super tired and I just forgot like the next day to go and oh. I felt really bad about it because he didn't really tell me what was happening and then it came out like oh there's this like movie and it was the dude who did the other the Freemason yeah Johnny Royal yeah something like that yeah he's actually done he's done a re- he actually if anybody's listening to this and they want to learn more about Freemasonry uh, without just listening to us like bullshit about it um, he's got two movies one of them is 33 and beyond and uh, where he kind of interviews a bunch of contemporary masons and he sort of goes around and visits various buildings and lodges and it's it's amazing it's a lot of fun and then the other one is uh is it called secrets of the illuminati something like that he takes a look oh it's really good it's it's really good so here's the problem the the actual historical illuminati are kind of a boring topic so the movie that one isn't as good as 33 and beyond because he has to get a little sensational every once in a while just to keep the audience's interest it's very much sort of a historical documentary um yeah but he gets in there uh oh man i can't remember i can't remember the names of any but it's the it's the uh the guy who helped write the actual expose of all the illuminati ritual like he helped do the translation and the introduction and all that kind of stuff Okay, so a while back, uh, probably eight to ten years ago, this book came out called The Secret School of Wisdom, um, oh. the, the Authentic Rituals and Doctrines of the Illuminati. 
It was uh, it was translated by uh, Jeva Singanand, uh, may he rest in peace, who was a brother who lived here in Oregon. Um, and then it was edited by uh, Josef Vegas and Reinhard Machner. So Vegas and Machner are both in the Illuminati movie um, that, that Johnny Royal made. So it's oh. actually like the scholars, the, the Masonic scholars who are behind sort of like... Um, publishing all of this modern stuff about the Illuminati are the ones who helped make the movie. So it's really authentic. It's really good. Uh, and it's definitely worth checking out, but the book, the book will be even better. And I believe, um, since this book has came out, uh, Vegas has also produced or published, um, the collected writings of Adam Weishaupt. Adam Weishaupt was sort of like the, the brains behind the Illuminati originally. So, uh, why are we? Oh, yeah. So, anyhow, Johnny Royal was the guy who made the Shriner movie. Yeah, I'm gonna look into that. And I think it's coming that out any like minute. An interesting now. watch. Yeah, the uh, I love the Shrine. Yeah. I'm really interested to see that documentary. The Shrine's really cool. People are probably gonna listen to this part. The Shrine's really cool, but like, it's a really weird organization if you're not like if you don't know what it is. And so from the outside looking in, it's probably just like crazy, but like the children's hospital, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, one of the things that really draws me to Freemasonry, for instance, is all of like the, um, the esoteric stuff and the mystical stuff. Uh, yeah. And I don't really get a lot of that, that feeling out of the shrine. So I've never become a shriner. Um, it has none of it. That's yeah, true. and I it's it's why. it's a uh, it's a fascinating thing to see. You know, I mean, one of the things that I really miss um, are those giant Shriner lunches that you guys would have like once a month, where every oh, once the ones in I a started while, for the yeah yeah those were so fun. Like every once in a while, there would be some place that I could get to. You know, like in you know the TriMet would reach, yeah. and I could you know take time out of my day, and they were just a blast. Like it's really mainly just a bunch of friends having lunch a huge group of friends yeah, having lunch and everybody's wearing a, a really entertaining hat <laughs> so I started the Fez lunch mm-hmm. and the reason I started the Fez lunch was because when I joined so so for everybody I keep forgetting people are listening to this so Freemasonry if you've listened to this podcast long enough you probably know mm-hmm. there's Freemasonry which is Blue Lodge Freemasonry which is the square and compass and all that kind of stuff and then you can join what are called appendant bodies, mm-hmm. which are kind of like bonus groups, right? Right. And so, um, and there's a ton of them. So the the big three are the Shrine, which run is famous for the running and starting the uh, children's hospitals. And then there's the Scottish Rite, which is probably pretty famous among occult people, I assume. Oh, yeah. And then yeah. there's there's the York Rite, which is like the York Rite. Yeah. Whatever. Um, and so, uh, so when I joined the shrine, like, you know, I had been a Mason for a while and right. I became a Mason in California, even though I'm from Oregon, I, I had lived in California for a long time. And I kind of got ward off from like joining the shrine because there was like some old dude argument from 1957 that had happened. And then like, I was on the brunt end of it, like, you know, 40 years later. So I, I moved up here and I joined the shrine and when I joined, it was this perfect, perfect moment. I joined and they're like, hey, we're at a used hat. So if you want a shrine fez, you have to buy a new one. And so I paid a stupid amount of money for a bedazzled fez. And if you <laughs> don't know what a shrine fez looks like, you should go, you should pause, go safely to a computer 
And if you're driving, like, don't do it now. But go and then type in uh, Shriner Fez, and they're fantastic. They, they are, are giant Doctor Who Fezes that are bedazzled. They make like Doctor Who's. Like they make that. Doctor Who's Fez look like a thimble. Oh yeah, and yeah. and I own one, and I got this, and I paid way too much money for it because they were out of used ones. And I was looking at it, and I was like, I have to wear this thing as often as possible because it's too it's it's too good it's too mm-hmm. good not to wear it and some guy was like sitting there and he's older he's a nice guy and he's saying you know man the shrine's like the best kept secret like nobody knows who we are and it clicked off in the back of my head it was like we have giant bedazzled hats like they're huge what if we just <laughs> wore them like just wore them in public people would probably ask like why are you wearing that giant bedazzled hat? And we could tell them, oh, this is what we do. And the children's hospitals, we fundraise and we try to help kids, blah, blah, blah. And then people would go, oh, that's cool. And then people would know. And that's the origins of the Fez Lunch. And it, and it is really fun. It's uh, I'm sad that they can't happen right now, but we're, mm-hmm. we'll start them up again when this is all over. Well, I hope that you do one up near me so that I can go to it. Definitely. Because even we though... do my tarot reading. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. We will do the tarot. Okay, we're doing that now. Okay. We're so, really good at tangenting, and I feel like I don't want to like, anger people with our tangents. We aren't going to anger people. People are, are going to either enjoy this or they will stop listening. Like, that's the secret of a podcast, right? Like, Oh. And we don't necessarily get to know. It's like a mystery. It is like a mystery. Um, yeah. Okay. So a tarot reading. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to, I've, I've been shuffling a little bit. I shuffled these cards before you got on um, the call. Uh, these I little, these extra tiny, totally normal sized tarot cards are actually remarkably s- difficult to shuffle. Um, but I'll do one more just to get it all centered out. And we're going to do a general tarot reading. We're just going to do it. We're going to see what the cards want to talk about. Okay. Are, are there is there like a standard number of cards in a tarot deck, or does it depend on the deck? Oh, see, now there's a really good question. Um, it's uh, a, your standard tarot deck will have um, seventy eight. Holy shit! Did I just forget that? Seventy eight cards. It's thirteen times four, fourteen times four plus twenty two. Yeah, seventy eight. That sounds good. Um, yeah. Yeah. You're going to get so many emails if you're wrong. I know. I know. It's going to be great. Uh, and some decks have like extra cards or bonus cards or card, additional cards in some way. Um, and every tarot deck is sort of laid out in the same way. It'll have four suits, and each suit will have mm-hmm. um, ace through ten, and then it'll have uh, four uh, court cards or face cards. Uh, so like your typical playing card deck has like jack, queen, king. In a tarot deck, you usually have a page, knight, queen, king. So you have four cards. Oh. Okay. Uh, And then you have 22 trump cards, or greater arcana, which are numbered typically from 0 to 21, with the 0 being the fool and 21 being the world. And these are, and every single suit sort of tells a story. Every single set of numbers tells a story. Uh, There's a lot of like sort of stories being told across the deck. But the biggest one is the fool's journey, which is how Mm -hmm. the fool card, number zero, travels through all of the major arcana. And they're supposed to kind of represent kind of like the microcosm of events in your life, but also the macrocosm of your life as a whole. Oh, interesting. Okay. 
So, um, and we'll hopefully we'll see some of that. Uh, in terms of like the number of cards that you typically have in a reading, it will typically it'll vary a lot. Uh, you can have as few as one, um, and as many as like sixteen to twenty. It really depends on what people are doing. Um, okay. So what what I'm going to do is I'm going to use um, my my radiant spread which uh, for those of you following along at home, if you have a copy of um, my, of the collection of, uh, of card spreads edited by Coleman Stevenson of the Dark Exact, which you can buy on my website, then you can follow along pretty easily. Uh, otherwise, there will be a picture of the tarot reading in the show notes. Unless it's really terrifying, then only Aaron gets to see the picture. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> what if the universe is like, you're super boring, none of this is interesting. Just, <laughs> they, they lay out in literal order they were made, and it's just like, whatever. <laughs> if that happens, that's actually really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are you ready? Yeah, so ready. Okay, here we go. Oh, wait, hold on. We need, like, uh, a sound effect. How about... Okay, Aaron. I feel so tuned in. <laughs> Your first card, the situation card in this particular reading, is the Page of Cups. Do you see it? Yeah. Okay. It has a pigeon hat. Yeah. Does he have? A, does he have a fish in his cup? Yeah. Okay. All right. That's important. So, um, so cups are are one of the four suits and uh cups are the suit of um water and so they deal with the emotions they deal with your emotional health the emotional level of your soul um and this particular card is a pretty cozy one since pages are earth cards so this sort of deals with like the grounding and and worldly manifestation of sort of like your emotional health um Mm. You know where we are right now and what's going on in in life. Uh, I th- pages are are pretty relevant just because there's so much kind of. They tend to be fairly still cards, and we're all stuck at home, and and home is a big earth or page topic. So this whole reading might be about how your emotions are manifesting through being stuck at home, or what's going on with your emotional health as you deal with our weird material world situation right now. Okay. Uh, and it could either be uh, <coughs> what this reading could be going into. Uh, we'll, we'll see in a second, but my, my suspicion is it's either going to be talking about like something that you can do to improve your emotional health or oh, something. <laughs> Maybe I, just, that's I it. just literally started I started therapy last week. Oh two sessions. Is it Zoom therapy? <laughs> Are you doing therapy over Zoom? Well yeah, it's through it's like a normal therapist, but like uh-huh. it's set up through like a thing and, and we they had to move it. It was gonna be in person, but they had to move it too. But yeah, I uh Hey, this is cool. Yeah, all right, cool. I guess maybe we'll come up with some good questions for you to ask your therapist. Yeah. Oh God! Okay, that poor woman. <laughs> You're like my tarot reader. <laughs> was that your doorbell? That was my doorbell. It's oh, fine. Okay. Okay. Oh, it was an Amazon package. Cool. I hope it was good. Okay. So, 
this next card is uh, things to avoid. Ooh, the magician. Oh crap, that's probably me. Oh <laughs> shit. <laughs> End of podcast. <laughs> End of podcast. Shut it down. Uh, and then uh, things to pursue. <laughs> Death. <laughs> oh, that's good. Don't tell your therapist about this reading. <clears throat> okay. No. So wait. So wait. Let's break this down. We're going to break it down. We're going to break it down. Okay. Okay. Uh, so uh, both the magician and death are major arcana cards. I'll, I'll show you the the death card in particular is one that you've definitely seen before on a TV show. Yeah, that doesn't bode well that that was the third thing you drew, but whatever. Well, it's uh, uh, one of the one of the like cliches among tarot readers is that um, they're always sort of like, "Don't worry, the death card doesn't mean death." And it really, it does not necessarily mean death. Um, the death card is about inevitable transformation, uh, oh. which is why death is such a, is a symbol of that, right? Like, death affects everybody. And on the card, uh, which is really hard to see since it's really small, you've got death in his black shiny armor with his big, you know, his big uh, flag with the big rose on it, and he's just sort of marching along and killing everybody, and he's killing kings and popes and peasants. So, mm-hmm. so death is just. Um, Death affects everybody, and, and it's sort of a symbol of the translation that everybody has to go through. Uh, but at the same time, like in the background, if you can see way in the background, there's like the two towers with the sun rising between them. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a symbol that... Um, that's a symbol of sort of like... Um, hold on, I'm getting out. Uh, so, so the the sun rising between the two towers is sort of a symbol that like, you know, the sun will rise again. Like the death, death isn't the end. Death is just the beginning, which is something yeah. that, that we as Masons kind of embrace pretty well. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a, that's a thing I vibe with. Yeah. Yeah. And as a card to pursue, it's really just sort of a thing that's saying like the, your emotional health or sort of like the blossoming and grounding of your emotions is going to come through the acceptance of change and transformation. And also oh, just sort of okay. realizing that, like, change is inevitable. Yeah, I don't like how, like, accurate this is to my therapy session, but keep going. Well, I think it's, it's going to get a little confusing here in a second. Okay, that's good. Because we're going to, let's go talk about the Magician card. Um, I'll show you this card. Um, it doesn't have as much uh, relevant symbolism. But uh, so in the Magician card, you have this guy, with, he's got one arm in the sky and one arm sort of pointing down. Uh, every single suit is represented in this card. So you've got wands and cups and all the sorts of stuff. The swords and pentacles are all there. Mm-hmm. Um, the magician card is number one in the major arcana, and it represents uh, starting out in a new journey where you're comfortable and ready to take on the world. Mm. As a card to avoid, I, it's almost sort of saying like death. Sh- the you know the death card should lead you into unknown places. So you should be heading into places where you're uncomfortable and unwilling necessarily, and maybe even feeling unready and unprepared for facing what's next. Basically, you are, you are not Captain Picard, probably not even Captain Kirk. You're like Captain Pike. You're sort of like, I'm really going where no one has gone before. There's way unknown shit. Didn't he I, die in Discovery recently? That's well, 
sorry death it's the death card okay okay fair fair fair, fair. sorry it's sorry. really don't let me nerd on strip no no I, I i that was about as nerdy as i could get on it um but it's really <laughs> sort of uh it, so the the contrast between the two is both of them do involve transformation and something new happening uh the magician card is sort of like um where you're super prepared and you're sort of like i got all my decks and ducks in a row mm-hmm. i've got you know a million bucks in my pocket i'm gonna go do a startup i've got venture capital and coming out my ass all that kind of stuff um and and this reading right now is saying like avoid that don't go towards the comfortable go towards the uncomfortable go towards the uncomfortable death is about necessary transformation and necessary transformation is going to involve things that you're not going to be all super about it's going to be weird it's going to get weird i can i can do that all right i feel like that's a good i feel like that's i'm weirdly comfortable with that get scared good good i i I feel like um if there's one thing that freemasonry does it prepares us for death that that in fact it does yeah yeah it's funny one of the things i don't want to get i don't want to get super political but one of you know there's so many memes on the internet right now yeah (sighs) and one of the things that just is constantly irritating me is all of these like criticisms of people who are um you know chomping at the bit to end the lockdown and calling them mm-hmm. part of a death cult. Have you seen that? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I follow a lot of... I, I'm I'm a fairly liberal person, so I follow a lot of liberal people on social media. And yeah. But but when I... Every time I see that, every time I see them just sort of like um, accusing the, the GOP or conservatives or right-wing people of being part of a death cult, I'm just like, you guys don't even know... That's that's so not an insult. Like, what what are you even what are you even talking about? <laughs> yeah, because they're they're not really like getting the like uh, thought of which they they're not getting like the context of like what they're actually saying. They're just saying oh, yeah. something because it sounds sounds provocative. It does. Yeah, they they have yeah. absolutely no idea of the context. It's okay. Anyhow, on to the terror reading. Yeah, we're gonna do on to the terror. Reading. We're gonna do a, a few more cards. Um, okay. So, do you have any questions so far? Uh, no. Okay. I, I like, I feel good. Okay, me too. Okay, so these next two cards are going to be your obstacles and the tools that you have to overcome them. Okay, obstacles plus the tools. Yes, so here's the obstacle card. Are you ready? Yep. Ah! The lovers. Okay, if you're looking at this card, it's got a lot of naked people. Don't get distracted by them. Yeah, Look at those no, trees. It's cool. See, you've got like the trees. dead tree and the living tree. Uh-huh. And right behind them, they, they got, there's that giant angel sort of coming up over them and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah, and also the dead tree is kind of on fire. <laughs> Which is, that's brutal. <laughs> yeah, that's it's brutal. pretty metal. It's, yeah. it's, it's tough for trees. Um, okay, so so the lover's card, this is a really fascinating one. The, the imagery on the card is almost like an Adam and Eve thing. If you look really closely, the lovers are sort of like Eve with the with the living tree that has a snake in it and Adam standing in front of the tree that's on fire uh, and they're just about to touch. And the lover's card is not literally about lovers. It's not about the actual naked women in your life. It's about the naked woman who lives inside you. You know, the terrifying one. Yeah. (laughs) Cold and afraid. Cold and afraid. I was so hungry. (laughs) 
No, the the lover's card is kind of about um, integrating the dark parts of yourself. It's about facing, um, yeah, facing what terrifies you. Uh, and as this an obstacle so card, stupidly accurate. Okay, keep going. <laughs> so this as an really obstacle annoying. card, it's really about yeah. it's really about that process. It's a tough process to get through, uh, and it's yeah. an important one. So, okay, so uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to harp on about the lover's card very much more, but I do want to point out that as much as we want. Okay. We've drawn, we've drawn four cards so far and three of them have Uh a major arcana. Right. So you basically, this is kind of like you stepped into the rink to get a tarot reading and your tarot deck was Muhammad Ali so far. Okay. Okay. Like, like, like that NES game. No one can ever win. Like, is that what's going to happen? I'm going to get beat up. Wait, Muhammad Ali wasn't in that. That was Mike Tyson. Oh no, that was Mike Tyson. How young are you? <laughs> I'm 30, 32. Uh, that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next. Next is your tools card. Ooh, ooh, I like this. This feels like a very Aaron card. The two of Pentacles. So okay, I got two of something. Yeah, uh, so you can see on this card, it's a guy who sort of looks like he's sort of juggling some things. There's like an infinity symbol. Uh huh. And there's like wavy water in the background. Yeah. Okay. So he's juggling his two pentacles, which are also known as coins or discs. Um, this particular suit, it's, it's one of the minor arcana cards, and this is all about the earth. It's about the solid things in the world. It's about the material. It's about money and health and living situations and all of the sort of, you know, the shit that we got to deal with, you know, Mm -hmm. that shit. Um, And two cards are, uh, are, are growth cards, but they're also sort of like right at the cusp of, of growth and success and bounty. And this is an uncomfortable place for the material world to be at. The material world likes things to be sort of like solid and sitting there and rotting and stuff, you know? Um, So the two of pentacles is really about sort of like being on the cusp of making um, new growth. It's almost like a Genesis card. It's like, um, it's, it's big potential. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so overall, as a tool card, I think really what it's saying is that you, you there's a lot of potential to sort of like overcome these things. In addition, like the Two of Pentacles is very much, you know, as oppo- opposing the Lover's card, it has this like really great symbolism of like the two opposites sort of like being drawn together. And in fact, even if we were going to interpret this as a Kabbalistic reading, like using Kabbalah, um, the two is really where the opposites start to combine and make new stuff. So it's a really powerful card. It's saying that you have material potential and that material potential, once you learn how to grasp it and take advantage of it and accept it into your life is going to be something that's going to help you not only accept your shadow self, your scary, you know, the scary naked lady that lives inside you um but also go towards the the transformative aspects of death that you're supposed to be pursuing not like literal death but you know the the that transformation yeah Yeah. um in addition another thing that i like about this i'll i'll draw this out a little bit 
I'll send you an email later and sort of talk about this a little bit more. But um, the Two of Pentacles being an Earth card and then the Situation card in the middle, the Page of Cups, which you've probably forgotten by now. You remember this dude with the fish in his cup? Yeah, fish guy. Yeah. Uh, those are both Earth cards. So you kind of have this like this bog of major arcana kind of like looming around the edge of this reading and then this little arrow of earth cards sort of being like here's your escape route oh okay yeah so it's uh it's a it's a good look it's a good look on your on your reading i like that okay cool yeah uh yeah i i like the it, it's a this is it, this reading is totally talking about transformation coming and saying that there will be obstacles there's going to be things you're going to have to avoid and things you're going to have to face but it's also saying that you're capable of doing it and the cards that are showing your capability are very straightforward cards and they aren't like super complicated and hard so it's saying that that's nice it is nice it's it's probably an indicator that uh your greatest enemy is going to be yourself, just like in the movies, oh, dude. So, just like so in the movies. Sweet. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, we're going to do two more cards. Call you. <laughs> you can you can call me anytime you need to, brother. No, anytime. But I think she called you before this and she was like, this is what you need to say. No, I didn't even know. I didn't even know your therapist cool. was a was a lady therapist. I She's I mean, a lady therapist. I mean, for all I know, you're just sort of you know, talking into a speaker in the corner. Do you hear me? <laughs> it's actually one of those like old, old timey uh, 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 fortune teller machines. Oh, Zoltar. Zoltan? Zoltar. Yeah. I have oh, one of those. Do you? It's a little tiny one. It's slightly bigger than the tarot deck. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. Our friend Matt Turcotte got it for me for my birthday one year. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you ready for the last two cards? Oh, there's only two more? Yeah. I don't know how long it's supposed to last. Okay, well, okay. We're, okay. We're, we're going down the edge. Okay, yeah. Okay, all right, here we go. So, uh, at this point, like, the these five cards, in this particular reading, these five cards are sort of, like, the really important core. Um, mm-hmm. After this, I feel like the cards start to get a little bit more metaphysical and less uh, solid. So they might not add a whole lot of like really good advice. They're just sort of flavor. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So next we have the past. Ooh, the hermit. Yeah. Okay. What's that mean? Well, mostly it means that you um, spent a lot of time alone, dressed in a bathrobe with a flashlight. It was like one time, and it was like a week in Mexico, and like I just need that time to be over. Yeah. No, okay. But like, what does what it actually mean? Okay. Uh, well, first of all, it's another major arcana. We've drawn another major arcana card for you, which is really heavy in this particular reading. Um the Hermit is a card about solitude and loneliness in some ways. And so remember, this is yeah. a past card. So this is a card yeah. that that might be something that contributed to some of the stuff that you're working through now. Um, yeah. It's probably a card about feeling alone more than being alone. And it's also... <sighs> this is super stupid. Okay, keep going. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a really important aspect of this card, which is that the Hermit card... It's, it's 
stupid because I'm uncomfortable is why it's stupid. It's okay. Well, I'm sorry. I'll I I won't say a whole lot more about it. I know that it's an no no you can't card. keep going. I like I can be uncomfortable. Okay okay. We so, just said I needed to be so. Okay fine. You know what? You're uncomfortable. Deal with it. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, you know what? I'm not a. I, I would be a horrible therapist. I'm very sorry. I shouldn't have been that. I shouldn't have been that harsh with you. Um, but another really important aspect of the hermit card is that there's a seeking to it. Um, you know, uh, part of the hermit. If you look at him again here, I'm holding the card up for you. You can see that he's got a lantern. Uh huh. So the hermit sort of exists in this murky landscape. There's nothing really in the background. There's nothing really going on around him. But he still has this lantern and he's following it forward. So there's this element of the hermit sort of seeking something new. So there is a lot of loneliness and solitude in the hermit card, but there's also looking. Right? So yeah. so the hermit at first seems like it might be sort of a static card where nothing is changing or where even the solitude is like voluntary. But what it's really showing is that the hermit is on his way somewhere. Almost like a pilgrim. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. All right. And now, are you ready for your final card? I'm real ready because this has been pretty interesting so far. Okay. Okay. Here we go. Your final card is... Oh, yes. Dude. Oh, yeah. I should tell you what this is. So the final card in this reading is Potential. So, which you could read as future, but I like to say more like you kind of get to make your own future and these cards should help you do it. This Mm. is a beautiful card. The Knight of Wands. Look at that dude. Look at all of that hair. Look at that beautiful fiery hair. Look at his happy horse. Look at all of that action there. Nice. You see it? Okay. Mm -hmm. I love this card. Uh, Oh yeah. If you, I don't know if you can see it very well in this picture, but um, on his tunic, it's a bunch of like coiled up lizards. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So this is uh this is a huge dynamic card that represents fast moving change and possibility and dynamism. Is dynamism a word? I feel like dynamism was a word like back in the fifties. But um this is a it's a it's a big card. Wands are sort of like the top level of the minor arcana and they deal with the element of fire and fire is the element of spirit it's the element that represents sort of like that place where your soul um brushes up against the divine spark where yeah. the thing that the thing that inspires you and builds you and encourages you to be like the ideal of who you could possibly be like can can enter into your being yeah okay so so as a potential <laughs> is this too much too much pressure no it's just <laughs> stupid accurate okay, keep going. <laughs> are you glad now that you volunteered to be my no because <laughs> <laughs> now we, we're gonna like talk, we're gonna like unpack it and everyone's gonna be like oh well obviously oh we're not we're not even gonna have time to unpack it we're getting we're getting close to is there a time limit on this? Well, there's not a time limit, but I mean, it's so arbitrary. Let's just it, keep going. Okay. Well, you know what? We'll 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 record bonus content then. Okay, we okay. can record bonus okay. content. So, um, so the Knight of Wands is the intersection of the element of air and the element of fire, which is okay. big burning energy. And as a potential card, it's kind of like, it's kind of like the symbol of of uh, creativity and growth and potential you know i was talking about like the two of pentacles being sort of like a potential card but that's sort of like 
earthly potential, and it's basically like a mud bog compared to the Knight of Wands. So it's it's a it's a good reading ending with a lot of like super big potential. That makes me feel good. Yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a pretty solid reading. You've got a lot of heaviness in there with all of those major arcana. And I'm really looking forward to sharing this picture with you. <laughs> so, I'm excited about it. Yeah. It's very it feels I what's the right word? Precedent? It feels very timely. Let's mm-hmm. go timely. Uh this is kind of one of those moments where like you kind of feel like um like oh yeah i'll just like talk to eric and we'll like hang out and do a podcast and then it was like (laughs) something that should happen you know what i mean yeah yeah i do i do know what it means um yeah uh i mean i guess a lot of the stuff it feels like we were sort of touching on some things that were super personal for you so maybe we shouldn't unpack it a whole lot oh i'm in you know what that bonus content is i'm an oversharer so god some bonus content (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got some stuff to work out and I would rather do that in front of everybody because then I don't we, you know we it. that's that's not how this works. Not, let's let's let me let me give you a summary of the whole reading first. Okay. 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 All right. So first of all, um, so when I give a summary of a tarot reading, there's a few things that I would normally do. So usually you look at um, you look at the cards, and if you've got a if you've got a good number of cards in the reading, then you can sort of group them by suit, and you can group them by different numbers and things. So here we have um, no suits are repeated, but you do have four major arcana, and I've talked about that already a couple times. They they are sort of overpowering the reading. Um, in terms of numbers, you do not have any repeating numbers. You've got a a one, a nine, a six, a page, a two, a thirteen, and a knight. So so none of the numbers are getting repeated very much. Um, the themes tend to be well. You've got the magician and death have some really similar themes. Uh, the knight and the two have some similar themes the two and the lovers have a similar theme also so nothing there really really stands out the thing that really stands out to me uh which hopefully will be really obvious when i show you this picture later is that the minor arcana are sort of doing like this little mario jump out of um out of the the quagmire of major arcana so it's almost like okay. there are these heavy issues that are kind of bogging you down, some of which you definitely need to deal with and some of which are definitely sort of standing in your way. But also, like, I get this really big feeling, um, especially with that Two of Pentacles, like your tools card, that it's kind of like the lightness of your character and the the ability of your being to sort of, like, feel, like, joy and potential that is going to be your big uh, help. Okay. And you know this is something that I also know about you just from being around you for so many years. Like it's funny. You 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 have a you have a really beautifully sardonic sense of humor that I super appreciate because so do I. Uh uh but also I know that like it's one of those senses of humor where you can see that there's a lot of like feeling and humanity under it, right? And that's Thanks. sort of the thing that is going to be in that two of pentacles. Yeah. It's making me blush. Well, you know, I can't even tell all the colors washed out at zoom. It's not the best video. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You still look pasty and white to me, brother. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
So I, I guess uh, what I would say in this is um, one of the nice things about it is a lot of the heaviness of the major arcana is kind of behind you. So you okay. you are moving in a positive direction. You do have a transformation ahead of you that might be a little hairy and mm-hmm. it might be a little unpleasant even in some places. However, your personality is going to enable you to get, you to get through it and the potential on the other side is super big and fiery and has like growth opportunities. And I don't even know what that means for you. I just know that it means uh, you're capable. You're super capable. Nice. This is exactly what I needed to hear. So this is actually really nice to <laughs> I'm good. I'm having a good Thursday. All right. All right. <laughs> Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. Do you have any um, questions about this? I know that it's hard to come up with questions, so you can't since you can't see the whole tarot reading. But I don't really have any questions. Is that bad? Uh, oh, not, I mean, at just, not at all. Like I, like I, uh, I'm not a skeptic, but like I just have no experience with like uh-huh. quote unquote occult things or like tarot. So I wasn't really, I guess knowing what to expect so i guess I, I'm, I'm more like blown away about like just like the experience than yeah more so than i thought i would be i guess i would i i don't want to like i don't want to pop the bubble of wonder and amazement but i will say that i will say this one of the things that makes tarot so effective especially for us for like people of like european descent Um, and who grew up in like pretty typical European descent culture type stuff in America is that the symbols in, especially in this particular deck are kind of universal. We've been exposed to them our entire life. So, so a lot of it is kind of like archetypal symbolism. And when I read one of the big things that, that I really want to happen is I want to describe this stuff in a way that can like allow you to attach meaning to it. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. almost kind of like I'm enabling you to give yourself the tarot reading. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm sort of like giving you the, the placement and the symbols and you're sort of being like, Oh, this is how it corresponds to stuff. This is how this works into my life. This is the message it's trying to give me. This is sort of like how that goes. Yeah, in a lot in a lot of ways, I think that that's. Uh, I hope it's okay to talk about this, but just yeah. like you know, ma- masonry in general, I think is one mm-hmm. of the things I found so positive about my experience. I think um, our lodges are fundamentally different in their interests. I think, mm-hmm. but like the universality of masonry, you know, like those rituals, like a lot of them, I think, kind of do the same thing that you're talking about here with tarot, just in a much different context. Of yeah, it kind of allows you to go through an experience and then like attach okay this is what this means for me not necessarily for them right and i think that's that's really a good way to explain it because i think that's how things are going to be useful because i mean for me like that a lot of that stuff is very helpful just in the moment because you know there's always like what's going to happen i mean even outside the covid thing Mm -hmm. so so i mean that's kind of a good way to, to hear about it and even even that, just like you know, the universal symbolism. I think people forget how important that is. Yeah. And how and how how nice it can be to kind of like use those because they they exist for a reason, right? To kind of use them how they're yeah, absolutely intended. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I don't think that, well, luckily we don't have to think about this every day, but one of the mm-hmm. things that I think is really important about sort of like that concept of universal symbolism is that our entire system of communication depends on it. You know, yeah. like every, every word that I speak out loud has so many layers of meaning to you as you hear it. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're a native fluent English speaker. So every word that I say is something that echoes throughout your entire life, all of your mm-hmm. memories, um, all of the, th- the things you associate with it. And we don't necessarily always pay attention to the number of symbols in our life that we're constantly being faced with. And all of yeah. those things have echoes throughout, throughout our entire being. Our, I would say that it's probably our entire sort of like notion of self and who we see as ourselves is made up of these kind of like echoes of symbols that yeah yeah i I 100 percent agree with that i'm I'm taking because i i don't have a degree so i'm an older student who's returned to college and that actually came up in my spanish class because my uh he's a fluent he's he's a native spanish speaker Mm -hmm. uh, but he grew up here so he speaks english and spanish like french and german i think nice um but yeah so he's actually has a degree in linguistics and he was talking about how language even everything considered Spanish and English are pretty close. They are just because they grew up really close to each other. So it's way closer than like, say English and Japanese. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, and like being somebody who only speaks one language, he was trying to convey that that has such a huge influence on like how you think about things Mm -hmm. and you don't realize it because how you think about things kind of always has to fall into the to the mathematical pattern of the symbols we use to express ourselves oh yeah do you know about which was kind of mind-blowing it is pretty mind-blowing do you know about the have you read 1984 oh just recently in my writing class yeah so so they wrote an article about it so they get into it in 1984 right where they have they they invent new speak and they have this whole way of like we're going to restrict the way you think by changing the way you can you can use language um yeah and so after 1984 was written, uh, uh, this is going to be super simplified, but that eventually led to like the development of this, uh, this hypothesis called the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis, which mm-hmm. stated that thought is limited by language. Yeah. Basically, if you can't say something, if you can't express it in a language, then you can't think it. And it's been it's been sort of disproven, but it's still sort of like, we still sort of acknowledge that thought is like really heavily influenced by language. So you sometimes have to be very cognizant of the way that your language is affecting the way that you think. That's so good. Yeah. It's weird. That is so So weird. Yeah. 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 I I mean, I think a lot of that has to do with, um, so I, I guess on this side, we're both kind of the same side of the coin. I was like, I'm, a tree having a progressive like it's hard to not walk by a tree and give it a big fat hug oh yeah i totally uh, like, have that feeling yeah and i and like you i grew up in a really oregon a uh, rural oregon environment and uh-huh. so like it was kind of a you know just kind of surrounded by people who i just didn't understand fundamentally but like the positives of that because they were me, fundamentalist like, actually yes <laughs> yeah, yeah i know that i know that experience we can talk about that because like that last card has everything to do about that specific subject. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, the, um, 
the kind of difficulty it is to like talk to people who you don't agree with. And like my experience with masonry has really taught me that you can do that. You can get past kind of that kind of political divide, but a lot of it you kind of just have to, you have to really think about how you think and about the other person and how they think and their abilities to see things a different way than you. And it's really hard. It is. Yeah. But that thing about Freemasonry sort of teaching you that skill to like talk across divides is mm-hmm. is like maybe the most amazing thing about it, especially right yeah, now. Like yeah. we're we're dealing with such a, it, so we're dealing with like hyper partisanship where people are like divided down political lines, but then also we're also dealing with this like hyper generationalism where people are divided down the lines of generations and so we're constantly coming up with ways to make other people the other constantly like it's it's Mm -hmm. we're being hammered with it all the time and that's one of the things that i super love about freemasonry is you know i'm so we just passed my 20 my 20th anniversary of being initiated Oh really? I didn't realize yeah. you had been in that long. Yeah, it was on, it was on Monday. Congratulations! Thank you, thank you. So I was initiated uh, back in my mid twenties, early twenties, and yeah. one of the things that I learned really early back then was how to talk to people who were like sixty years older than I am. Yeah, which I don't run into very often anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but back then it was it was something that that was just baffling to me like all of a sudden i my whole social circle suddenly involved people of every age and it wasn't just mm-hmm. people my age or people like a few years on either side you know like i became super good friends with my coach who was probably 50 years older than i was and i'd yeah. go over to his house for dinner and i'd hang out with him all the time and all of a sudden my world expanded and then I started, you know, to make make friends with people of different religions, people of different philosophies, of different, um, you know, political views, and it really teaches you how to talk to everybody. It's such yeah. an important yeah. step. It's so vital to to being a better person too. I just, yeah, yeah. I, I had a very similar experience. So I had moved because <clears throat> I graduated high school in two thousand five. Mm-hmm. So the two thousand eight financial crisis was not good for me so it was bad for me too um, yeah it it was not good for anybody but like I was very young and so I ended up in a trade school and I moved down to California because of that it kind of kicked off that path and I joined masonry because I was working in an apple store and I only hung out with my coworkers, and I needed something so I had um, I had sciatica and I actually got put on disability ouch and so because <clears throat> uh, it was so bad. Yeah, um, yeah, that can and, really. Uh, yeah, thank God for quarters of shots because that's literally the only thing that works. Because <laughs> I, I was down for like a month, and so, but uh, but I spent way too much time on the internet, uh-huh. and I found the Freemasonry subreddit. Oh God! Oh really? Yeah. In two thousand like, what? I uh two thousand and. 13 i was 23 okay Okay. so it it, it was like 800 subscriber it was super tiny Uh and i for some reason like i got there from like a different thing i just started reading it and it just kind of clicked so i visited a lodge and eventually ended up joining that way and what got me to stick around was um, when i was in a fellow craft which is like the second part of becoming a mason oh yeah i've heard of that one um yeah 
uh, I we in, in in the South Bay in California, all the lodges participate in what's called a smoker. So it changes house, and because the weather's so nice down there, every month it's a big barbecue and cigar smoke. Okay, hold Everybody on. Everybody kind of gets. This is a stupid Oregonian question. When you say South Bay, are you talking about like the south part of like, the Bay like, Area, uh, like like yeah, San like Jose, the, sort of San Jose and like okay, all those kind of towns down there, right? Um, and so it would kind of travel the South Bay to people's houses and they would kind of host. And then uh, a bunch of guys from lodges would all show up. And, you know, California is really diverse. And mm-hmm. there was also a good relationship with Prince Hall. So you would get 50 guys from all these different lodges, Prince Hall lodges, but I, and, and all different backgrounds. And so I grew up in, you know, rural Oregon where it was white people. Mm-hmm. And I was still really young and I hadn't really experienced anything besides that. And I was sitting at a table and there was me, a guy who grew up in like inner city Oakland, a guy from India, a guy from Pakistan, um, a guy from Australia. And it was just like, everybody was cool. Nice. Yeah. And it was just, and like, it's really hard to describe. Like just everybody was like, you know, it was like Masonic brotherhood, like on display, like nobody had a problem. There was no weirdness. There was just a bunch of joking and hanging out and, and, the, and like the, it kind of felt like the divides that I was raised to implicitly understand that existed between different people was just like non-existent. And, and that oh, yeah. was like the, the factor that was like, oh, okay, like I, 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 I get it. I get one part of this that's, that's supposed to be the lesson is that, you know, hopefully when we're kind of firing off symbols, all, all symbols, hey, all cylinders is that... Um, you know that those arbitrary things where the guy from downtown Oakland and like this white kid who grew up in a trailer in Oregon can't be friends is all bullshit and mm-hmm. we can be friends like how do we do that and, uh, yeah <clears throat> which wasn't I mean like it was just so weird for like to, to go through that experience I guess yeah I feel like my experience was really similar to that I kind of went through that same kind of thing where I grew up in super rural Oregon I moved to slightly less rural Oregon where I got initiated. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it, it's hard to paint um, my Masonic experience as being entirely rosy. You know, there, there have been some rough parts, yeah. but people are people, people are people. And any human yeah. institution is going to deal with the problems of humanity. Um, but yeah, I totally know what you're talking about. Yeah. Okay. I think, it's time for us to wrap up the episode. Do you have sad? It is sad. I'm sorry. Yeah. But you know, if, if I had the ability, I wish I had some sad music. I wish I had some sad sad music. It's perfect. Do you, (laughs) do you have any uh, final words for the listeners or uh, anything that you'd like them to go check out on the internet? Uh, I uh, don't have anything for anyone to like go check out um, right now. Do you have words uh, of wisdom? I, uh, call somebody you haven't talked to in a long time. Yeah. I I think that like if you're listening to my voice, uh, even if you don't like talking on the phone, I think you should call up that one person you haven't talked to for a while and say hi. Because oh, they man. have time, especially right now. They're not doing anything. It's COVID shut-in time. 
Uh, and you should. And especially if you have older people in your life, um, one of the things that uh, being Worshipful Master of the Lodge this year, um, we have a much older membership and um, a lot of older people who don't belong to organizations like ours or any organizations um, don't get a lot of social contact. Uh, yeah. And you should call them and say hi, I think, because this is a very isolating time, especially for those kind of vulnerable people. So I guess that's my only request if I'm going to take up space on your podcast and I don't have anything to offer as far as social media presence. I deleted Twitter and Facebook. It's you know, so great. But that's not that's not having nothing to offer. That's actually like a brilliant thing to offer. It's kind of the ultimate call to action. You're sort of giving away your presence and being like, don't don't look for me. Look for the people in your life who need you or who, yeah. need, who need somebody. Yeah. It's kind of... And get the- yeah. Get it. Go get get those good stories. Because, like, you know who has awesome stories? Old people. Old people. Oh, my God, oh, the stories. So good. Jeez. My dad, my dad started this story the other day where it's, it was the phrase, one time I got into a fist fight in a strip club in North Portland. I was like, <laughs> holy crap. What? <laughs> was it the Dancing Bear? Uh, maybe. Or I what, may what, not have been there. Down, but- it closed down. It was the best name. It was the oh. strip because it was near the airport. Uh-huh. Amazing. But like he, he, he just said that like this throwaway like line, and I was like, "And <laughs> you can't just say that." And, and he was like, "No, that's it." He like moved on, and I was yeah. like, "Dude, yeah. you can't just say that and not tell me the story." So like, go mine some old people for stories, like because they got them. Like they Grandma do. has a crazy one time in Tijuana in 1952. Like she has something. Just gotta go find it. <laughs> Well, hey, Aaron, worshipful brother Aaron, this has been such a delight. Thanks for being on my podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Arnamancy podcast. You can find me online at arnamancy.com, where you can schedule a tarot reading or peruse the Arnamancy blog. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. If you like this podcast, support it for just $1 a month through Patreon at patreon.com slash arnamancy.